0: Hello, welcome to a podcast for The Lancet Respiratory Medicine. I'm Gavin Cleaver, and it's the 15th of November, 2018. Today, I'm going to be talking with Professor Benjamin Cowling about his work on the effectiveness of influenza vaccinations over time among children in Hong Kong. Professor Cowling, thank you for your time today. So, Professor Cowling, tell us a little bit about the influenza vaccine and why it was important to carry out your study.
1: Annual influenza vaccination is is the, the most widely used vaccine in the world around 500 million people receive the flu vaccine every year. Uh, Influenza can be a serious disease, and vaccination is the best way to prevent it. In Northern Hemisphere locations like the UK, the US, other European countries, influenza vaccines are given once a year. Uh, Around this time of year, that's October, November, December. And that's a little bit before the start of the expected flu season uh, in the winter months. In the Southern Hemisphere, places like Australia, flu vaccines are given in April and May because their flu season comes in the Southern Hemisphere winter in maybe June, July or August. So in both cases, vaccines are, are given shortly before the flu season and the protection is intended to be at its highest level for those people after vaccination, maybe a few months after vaccination to cover them and protect them during the flu season. In the tropics and subtropics, we also use flu vaccines every year. People are given flu vaccines once a year, but the flu seasonality here in Hong Kong, also in Singapore, in Malaysia, in lots of other places in the tropics and subtropics are more difficult to predict. May not, flu season may not always come at the same time every year. And so it's not really clear what's the best time to give out flu vaccines. In Hong Kong, specifically, where I work, we have flu seasons pretty much every year in the winter, in January, February or March. But we also have flu seasons in the spring or the summer in some years. Last summer, we had a really big influenza H3N2 season with really big impact similar to what happened in the U.S. earlier in 2018. So in Hong Kong, we give flu vaccines in October November because we, we want to maximize protection for the winter when there's nearly always a flu season. But we've always had this question of whether the protection from the flu vaccine can last for the full year until the following, say, October, or whether it doesn't last that long and maybe protects in the winter but not protects so well in the summer. Uh, So in in the last few years, uh, this topic's come up, and a number of people have looked at how long it can last for in Europe and the U.S., Um, but in those places, seasons are very predictable, usually in in the, the winter, usually in January, February, or March. In Hong Kong, one of the things we can take advantage of is that we have this prolonged flu activity, so we can see for people who are vaccinated in Hong Kong is there evidence that they're protected for the full year or how, how effective is the vaccine maybe at different times of the year or at different times after vaccination? And so we, we thought it's an important question to look at. We've been studying how well the flu vaccine works for a number of years. We've amassed uh, data over more than five years now. And so what we wanted to do is look back at that data and, and see really, can we say, how well does the flu vaccine protect in Hong Kong in the winter, how well does it protect for flu seasons that occur in the spring or the summer as well.
0: How was how your particular study conducted and what was kind of interesting about the, the study design?
1: So we used uh, what's called a test-negative study design, which is a little bit like a case-control study. In a traditional case-control study, we'll find some people with the disease, in our case that might be flu, and then we also find some controls who may have other diseases or may not have anything, any disease at all, and those are called controls. And then we compare maybe flu vaccination in the cases and flu vaccination in the controls and see if there's a difference and then see if we can infer uh, what the effect of the vaccine might be. In our test negative study, it's a variation of that, but both our cases and our controls were children who were hospitalized with flu-like illness and then we use laboratory testing in all those children to see which children had influenza virus and which children did not have influenza virus. Maybe they would have had RSV or rhinovirus or one of those other respiratory viruses. It uh, could have been a number of other reasons why they'd be hospitalized with a flu-like illness. So the advantage of this test negative design is that we only need to recruit children in the uh, who are admitted with respiratory symptoms. We don't need to worry about children that admitted with other conditions or going into the community to recruit healthy controls so we can do all the recruitment in one place. And also, if there are differences in the kind of children who get vaccinated or don't and the kind of children who might be taken to a hospital if they get really sick, if there are those kind of biases, by recruiting the controls as children who had flu-like illness but were negative for influenza, by doing that, we can have a better control or or kind of a better way to account for that potential bias. You could say it's a bias due to healthcare-seeking behaviours.
0: Tell us then, what were some of the key findings of of your study?
1: Yeah, so over a five-year period, we were able to study around 15,000 children who were admitted to hospital with acute respiratory illness. Among all of those, 16, 16, one, six, 16% of them had influenza and the others were negative for influenza. And so we were then able to, uh, to, to check for each child whether they'd been vaccinated uh, and we knew when they were admitted with, with, uh, with either the flu or with, with another cause of their acute respiratory illness. So we could look at how effective the vaccine was in protecting against influenza hospitalizations at different times of the year. So we looked at it two different ways. The first way we looked in three different time periods. So first for September to December each year, which is around the time that we vaccinate, usually there's not much flu. Around that time, we estimate the vaccine had 80% effectiveness. And then we looked in the winter, when we usually have a flu season, January to April, the vaccine effectiveness was 67%. And then we looked in May to August, which is the spring, summer, vaccine effectiveness was 43%. And then because for each child, we also knew when they got flu vaccine. So maybe some of them got it in September, maybe some in October or even November, or even later sometimes. Because of that, we looked instead at how effective was vaccination by time since vaccination in individual children. And when we did it that way, we looked within two months, two to four months, four to six months, or six to nine months. And the vaccine effectiveness started at 79% within two months. Then it went 60%, then 57%. And by the time we get six to nine months after vaccination, it's 45%. So there's good news and bad news. The good news is that the flu vaccine was still providing some protection six to nine months after vaccination. But the bad news is that the effectiveness had declined uh, quite a bit over that period. Maybe for the UK, if vaccinations are in October, November, and the flu season is coming in January, February, March, this degree of waning it's not, not going to be a critical issue. But for somewhere like Hong Kong, when we can have winter seasons and summer seasons, it makes us think a little bit more carefully about, about issues like what's the, really the best time to vaccinate so we can maximize protection in the winter and also make sure there's, there's good protection in the summer.
0: How generalizable, you touched on it a little bit there, but how generalizable are these, these findings to, to other settings, populations and locations, etc.?
1: We're using the same flu vaccine that's used yeah, everywhere else in the world, we're using the inactivated influenza vaccine. That's an injection. In Hong Kong, we're using the quadrivalent vaccine. Um, and so you know, everywhere else in the world is using the same vaccines. We think that the, the observations of the, how, how quickly the effectiveness wanes should be very generalizable to anywhere in the world because these are biological properties of the immune response to vaccination. I would say that in the UK, in school age children, there's a, a different vaccine being used at the moment called the live attenuated vaccine. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether that would have the same degree of waning in effectiveness over time, may or may not. Uh, we don't have much data on that. I think the, the greatest interest in this study will come from tropical and subtropical locations where flu can circulate year-round, but I'm sure there'll be interest everywhere in the world in, in how long the protection lasts and how high the protection is at different times after vaccination because it's really important uh, for policymakers who are thinking about the best time to arrange vaccination programs.
0: What are some of the potential mechanisms that you can think of to explain your findings?
1: There are two reasons why vaccine effectiveness can change over time uh, within, within a year after vaccination. Uh, the first reason is because of the decline in the immune response that's stimulated by vaccination. So after someone gets vaccinated their body responds to that vaccine, their immunity against influenza is boosted, but that immune response kind of gradually declines over time. There's a number of studies that look at antibody levels after vaccination, they show that the levels are quite high, maybe three, four weeks after vaccination. And after that, they gradually, gradually decline down to uh, fairly low levels again, maybe after one or two years. So one reason is because of the decline in the the immune response. The other reason is because the flu viruses that circulate keep changing. Actually, we need to change the strains that are in the flu vaccine twice every year, or at least consider changing them twice every year. And it's because of this continuous change in circulating viruses that we need to do that. And maybe the changes that occurred in the viruses that let them drift away from the vaccine strains, this kind of gradual change to have more and more mismatch, maybe that could have also led to some degree of waning in the vaccine effectiveness. I suspect it's more of the former. It's more to do with the host immune response to vaccination that may not last for a year because the the drift is not a, a smooth process. The drift in the viruses occurs in spurts more than a more than in a smooth change in one place in, in one year
0: so aside from thinking about changing the vaccine twice a year what, what other implications does this research have for for future clinical practice
1: so the biggest implication is for the timing of vaccination programs uh, we can use these results in hong kong they could be used in the uk or the us to think about what might happen if we change the timing of flu vaccination programs. So in Hong Kong, now we're vaccinating in October and November uh, for for most people that get vaccinated. I can use these results to examine what would happen if we were to vaccinate people a little bit earlier in the year, or what would happen if we were to vaccinate people a little bit later in the year. And the same is true in the US where they, they vaccinate earlier and earlier in recent years, now they're vaccinating people in July and August, which is really early for uh, when they anticipate flu seasons coming, probably January or February. I mean, another thing we can look at in in future research is the two potential mechanisms I mentioned, one being the duration of immunity because of the immune responses, and the other being the speed of evolution of the virus. Um, And then thinking with the bigger picture, we want to have the best possible vaccination programs to reduce the annual burden of influenza in the UK, in the US, in Europe, in Hong Kong, in Australia, everywhere in the world. We can think about what are the best vaccination strategies allowing for the protection that might wane uh, within the season, within a year. Maybe we could think about increasing the frequency of vaccination. Maybe we could think about using vaccines that provide greater protection because they either have a higher antigen content or they have adjuvants or or some other way, they're more potent or more effective in some way. And in the longer term, in the the world of influenza research, we're thinking a lot about how we can have very good flu vaccines that last over multiple years and provide much higher levels of protection. Uh, Those are called universal vaccines. Uh, the minute is still a dream to have a universal vaccine, but there's a lot of investment in recent years in trying to find uh, a better way to, to vaccinate people against flu that can last for longer. And then the last point in a, in a very concrete thing in the short term is we could think about, in tropical and subtropical reasons, we could think about having both formulations of the vaccine available around the year. So most parts of the world either choose the northern hemisphere formulation, which is available in maybe September, October, or they choose the southern hemisphere formulation, which is available maybe April, May, and they stick with that. Uh, I wonder whether places in the tropics and subtropics should uh, make sure they get both formulations available. So that, for example, in Hong Kong, if children get vaccinated in the winter, that's good. And if they don't get vaccinated for the winter, that they suddenly realise that they should really get some protection uh, get vaccinated then they can still have the southern hemisphere vaccination later in the year uh, at the moment that's not the case because uh, those formulations are not available
0: well there's some really important implications for, for the world's largest vaccination program professor ben cowling thank you very much for your time
1: thank you